It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of CT Startup Podcast. Um, and again, this is, uh, again, I mentioned it, I'm going to probably say it a few times uh, now uh, that we're getting back into it, but the people that I'm talking to today is a group that I have seen uh, come together over the past few years. Uh, their name gets always kind of put out there. You got to go talk to the to the women at uh, Collab. Luck, luckily enough that our first guest back this year, Al Bot, uh, connected us. So uh, we're finally uh, here being able to talk about the great work that uh, this group is doing in New Haven. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Caroline and Margaret. Hi, great to be here, Eric. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. So I'd love to just introduce you, uh, um, have you introduce yourselves and, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, how you got to uh, be at Collab. So I guess we'll start with you, uh, Caroline. Perfect. Um, well, thank you so much, Eric, for for having us. We've heard of this podcast also for a long time. And, and it, I think just um, there's such power in storytelling. So just thank you for creating this space. And we're excited to be here this Friday morning. Um, yeah, so I just just quickly, and, and then I'll kind of get into my intro for those that don't know, Collab is a um, is a sort of Connecticut-based uh, accelerator that supports early stage entrepreneurs. And, and for us, really 
focus on empowering individuals and families um, to use entrepreneurship um, uh, to be able to have autonomy, you know, build wealth for themselves and their families, and then really begin to shape their communities. And, and for us, we prioritize uh, people of color and women, specifically Black and Latinx entrepreneurs who face significant barriers to entrepreneurship. And um, so introducing myself uh, a bit, uh, Caroline, I, um, I think my, a big part of my kind of heart and story is, is around New Haven, is around love of place. Um, I was born and raised in Kentucky, um, and, and actually Margaret and I will have a lot of similarities to her story because she was also born in Kentucky. We're both Korean American, I'm half Korean, um, came here for school at Yale. Um, about 11 years ago now, uh, class of 2014, and fell in love with New Haven really, really fast. I, I think, you know, I, I loved growing up in Kentucky too. I was parts of lots of sports teams and groups of friends, but um, New Haven was one of the first places where I just, I really, really fast felt a part of a city and a part of a community and just got a lot of traction in making friends inside Yale, but also out in the outside of the Yale community and going to bars or going on runs or um, going to community meetings um, and got really involved really, really fast, got to spend summers here and got lucky enough to be able to stay here after I graduated. Um, uh, after I graduated, I worked for a local startup that a lot of us know, C-Click Fix. Um, uh, uh, ben was uh, just definitely a hero of mine when I was 17 years old and was lucky enough to be able to work with him and then was doing a lot of community organizing and just getting involved in a lot of the amazing work that happens in New Haven. And um, uh, a year or so after I graduated, I met Margaret. And so I'll toss it over to her for, for her end of the story. Yeah, for sure. Um... I had a slightly different uh, sort of journey with New Haven, you know, when I was in college, um, I didn't really venture out much and, you know, Yale made it really easy to do that, um, gave us everything that we needed. Um, and it was honestly really stifling, right? And um, you kind of hear about the Yale bubble. I was definitely in it. And it was only after graduating um, and, and living and working in New Haven that I really fell in love with the city. Um, and it was a slower process, but one built on relationships and just kind of seeing the incredible activist energy in this town, feeling challenged by the city and helped by the city. Um, and I think uh, for, for me, sort of another dimension of, of my journey in the past um, 10 years or so um, is really about my relationship with, with entrepreneurship, right? And, um, you know, I started off working at the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute, which is now called Sci Center for Innovative Thinking at Yale. So they, they do sort of startup programming for student faculty ventures. I got to learn a lot right after graduation, just all the different industries, stages, entrepreneurs, et cetera. Um, and I was really interested in social entrepreneurship. I was really interested in this idea of using entrepreneurship to have a good impact on the, on the world while also making money, right? And um, I think from there, as I got more involved in New Haven, it really transformed my interest in entrepreneurship into more of a smaller scale, sort of what can happen when entrepreneurship is used as a tool at a smaller, more local, regional scale, um, kind of taking a step away from my interest in like high growth companies or, or the tech startups and thinking like, what, what can we do in our community? How can we empower people here, right, to participate in this act of autonomy and, and building power for themselves um, and kind of cater to their needs and what they would want to see for their lives? Um, and think about economic development a little bit differently. Um, and so, I, I, you know, 
that journey for me, I think, um, has been a really rewarding one, a challenging one. And we're so fortunate to have worked with and created this program to work with entrepreneurs exactly like that, people who are committed to the city, who want to see it grow, who want to participate and contribute in this very meaningful, heart-based way, um, and thinking with Caroline about how to do that really well, how to support these folks um, really, really well, be led by them. Um, and have them shape their own lives and their communities. Thank you for those introductions. And and I think you hit on a, a few things I'm going to circle back to in this uh, in this conversation. But just for context, when did you when did um, uh, Collab uh, start? Like when was it founded? Yeah, so we were founded in um, uh, officially 2017. Um, but kind of leading up to us being an accelerator, when Margaret and I first met, we really. Uh, bonded over, can we build more spaces where Yale students and New Haven residents could connect and build power together and build projects together? Um, because those are the spaces that we hunkered for as Yale students who had fallen in love with the city. Um, and we knew there was a lot of power in the connection of bringing communities together um, um, over mutual stake. Um, and, um, and so we started this event series um, where we brought a lot of different people together around sort of um, doing community problem solving sort of collectively and in a co-created way and we were doing those for about a year and we had so many individuals uh, coming to us and saying you know whether they're aspiring entrepreneurs or you know activists or um, just community members who were saying hey we really like these events and we want more and we are having these ideas and these ideas for projects but don't know where to take them and so we kind of did a landscape analysis of the different programs that existed for entrepreneurs. And we did see a gap for entrepreneurs, especially at an early stage, um, to take their idea and take it to the next level and get sort of um, programmatic support. Because, um, you know, there, there was entrepreneurial activity happening, um, especially kind of um, early stage one-off workshops and actually a fair amount of later stage capital. But right in between, there was this gap. I mean, especially if... Um, especially the kinds of um, programs that sort of uh, are attuned to the financial or logistical or psychological barriers that people of color or women or immigrant entrepreneurs face. And so that was the next iteration of Collab in 2017 um, was to build this program um, and happy to get into the details of that, but a program that um, 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 that was filling in that gap that we were seeing in the ecosystem. Great. Well, well, thank you. Because I, I want to give context to a lot of the times is that with CT Startup, we, you know, in 2015, the ecosystem was not what it is today. It is an evolutionary process. Uh, Ten years ago, um, uh, you know, when we when I was in school, I was at CCSU. That's when I was graduating. You know, that's when Reset was still in the back room of an office, not in, in Hartford. And, and, you know, some of these other groups that have kind of evolved. So it's it, it, for some people who are just getting into the, to kind of the, the scene right now, it. it we are a lot further along than we are, uh, than we were, sorry. Um, and there's people like yourselves that are finding, you know, gaps within the programming, within certain uh, kind of uh, segments of, of a city that, you know, you need to create something new for it. And so that's kind of, I just like to give context because uh, again, you've been around for a little bit, you, you've evolved and, and I assume you have some more iterations uh, to go uh, in the future. Um, so one thing I do like to, to hear uh, is the fact that you're not uh, Connecticut uh, natives, right? Um, that That is okay. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, uh, so I am a Connecticut native. I know a lot of people that I grew, grew up with that, um, 
you know, after they went to UConn, they went to a state school and then they're like, you know what, I'm going to San Francisco. I'm going to Boston. I'm going to New York. Right. Because those are better scenes. Right. And so it's, it's, it's always refreshing to hear that you're, you know, people like you're, you come to Connecticut and you stay. Cause you're like, wow, this really resonated with me. I like the city. Um, I think Connecticut does have that small city vibe, right. You don't get lost. You, you, um, you tend to, you're, I, I always say you're only a few degrees away from, from people. Right. Um, so that is a, that, that, that's a good sign that we have people that are staying here and, and building and, and trying to iterate uh, the future. Um, so, so I guess uh, when it comes to, um, this is one thing that I think you, you both hit on in, in your introduction is that there's a spectrum to startups, right? A spectrum to entrepreneurship. And a lot of the times when people say, uh, you know, uh, we're going to get, uh, we want to have a startup, they're like, oh, so you're going to be a high tech company. You're going to scale, you're going to raise VC money, right? How do you separate, like when somebody comes to you and talks about entrepreneurship, where are they on the spectrum? Like, are you dealing with really people that are looking to do family businesses and, and just be a one-off kind of one or two man uh, show? Or is it something that you are, um, you know, you, you see all spectrums because you, you mentioned that kind of high tech, uh, Margaret, before is that you kind of like not, you're not in love with that anymore. You're in love with the, almost kind of the, the other side. So explain to us a little bit of that about uh, kind of like the people that you're seeing and, and the businesses that you're, uh, you're seeing start. Yeah, um, great question. So we get a huge variety. So we've worked with um, definitely sort of mom and pop shops um, or or folks who have an aspiration for that, um, who want to, you know, employ five people and do it well. Um, and they want to be committed to a certain neighborhood. Um, and that's what they want to do. We've also gotten folks who are like, I want to have branches all over Connecticut. Um, we've also had folks who are selling nationally to all different kinds of people online, um, through their sales channels, what have you, um, people who do want to scale. Um, we've worked with a small number of also just tech companies. Um, and I think for us, we, um, yeah, like what I was saying at the beginning, just prioritizing the desires of the people who, who come to us. We're, because we're at an early stage, we try to be open to all different kinds of folks with all different kinds of aspirations, try to give them a really solid universal education so that they can take those next steps um, with us sort of flanking them um, that's sort of specific to their industry or the type of business that they want to be. Um, and, you know, we are really careful about, about how we talk about this, right? And um, I think there's a lot of value judgment sometimes placed on different kinds of businesses. And we just want to kind of pry that open a little bit, right? Like, what are we saying when we incentivize only certain kinds of businesses and startups, right? Like, what, how are we measuring the benefits of that kind of economic growth? What have been the effects of focusing only on certain kinds of structures in other cities, right? I mean, we can talk about high rents and, and gentrification and all of that stuff. It's just, um, so being thoughtful about, you know, how can we invest in the people that are here um, who want to create whatever they want to create? Um, and what would happen if we did things differently, right? What if we just invested in, in that energy um, and then let, let the people who are from here, who live here, really, really shape their communities? Um, and so I think that's why we take this question really seriously of just like, Yes, we're open to everyone, and we specifically feel that in order to be a counterweight, we need to sort of really elevate different kinds of businesses as, as being worthy of being invested in and supported. And I think that uh, a lot of the times where um, when people think about startups or, you know, like you just mentioned, invested, in, it's worthy of investment. 
all investments aren't the same, right? It, it, it just, there could be different returns on that investment for different types of businesses. And, you know, it's both a small financial return, but also a community return, right? A social return, some, some sort of other type of uh, return on the, the investment in, into those businesses and those people. Because um, a lot of times at the early stage, and you probably know it, is that you're investing in the people, not necessarily the business idea. Because the business idea, um, unfortunately, and, and it's happened to me in my entrepreneurial pursuit, sometimes you get married to an idea and it's, and it's like, and you, you think you, you signed a contract with it that you can't break up with it. And, you know, like in an actual marriage, mm -hmm. but um, that's not, that's not the case, right? Like you can, uh, sometimes for entrepreneurs, like you need to almost kill ideas as, as quickly as possible or get to the point where they're not valid anymore. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, that, that's interesting point is that, um, you know, certain types of businesses are worthy of being invested in. And unfortunately this, uh, this past year is put kind of light on, on to a lot of different things in terms of what businesses are kind of uh, prioritized and so forth. Um, so, so I guess, Caroline, talking about kind of like that, that shift to being open to all different businesses and everything, like how does your programming actually kind of match up to, to taking in, you know, somebody with an idea and bringing them through kind of the, to the, to the next step of, of your, uh, of your program. And, and also like, where are you trying to get them at the end of your program? Yes. Um, great question. And I'd love to kind of build off the conversation you, are, you were just having as well. Um, so just to talk a little bit kind of in detail about our program. So we have a um, we have three main programs. We have um, our office hours, which are one-on-one -on -one sessions for open to anybody, um, free 30-minute sessions by phone. Used to be in person at the New Haven Free Public Library um, before COVID. Um, we serve probably around 300, 400 or so entrepreneurs through that program, which is, which is really exciting. And then we have a new program called the Pre-Accelerator. Um, the pre-accelerator is right before our flagship program, the accelerator. Um, it's a six-week, like lightweight program um, uh, for folks who, you know, may need a little bit more support before the accelerator, a little more in concept phase. Um, uh, and happy to get into a little more detail on that, a little more oriented around soft skills. Um, and then our flagship program is the accelerator program, 12-week program, um, uh, ventures applied to it. Typically, we get around 40 to 60 applications um, per round, and then we have a board of reviewers who review um, and read the applications along a set of standardized criteria um, um, around fit, around team, around the validation of the idea. Um, and then we end up having around a 10 to 12 ventures per cohort. And the, um, the kind of to break down the program a bit, there's a 12-week educational curriculum, so every week there's a weekly workshop um, uh, right alongside those workshops is a weekly one-on-one -on -one session with collab team members and the venture because, you know, early stage, there's no hard and fast rules around what early stage is. And because we serve so many industries and in slightly different stages within early stage, um, we have this sort of tailored coaching um, with a fairly standardized kind of arc of the coaching um, that's tailored more to the venture specific needs. Um, and then kind of surrounding outside of the program, we've um, really been attentive to the people, sort of the helpers of entrepreneurs. Um, so we've pulled in pro bono partners like Martha Kalina, FML Accounting. Um, the Yale Law School Clinic has been a huge help um, to pull in and provide that pro bono um, assistance, sort of technical assistance around um, uh, some of the operational components or structural components of um, a business, as well as a collab mentor network. So a, a, a cadre of really thoughtful advisors and mentors who can pro provide that expertise and guidance, not only industry expertise, but also, you know, people who are really good listeners, ask really good questions and are able to sort of call the expertise that the entrepreneurs already have. Um, 
And then it all culminates in a pitch day, uh, which is a kind of like a, it's a little less Shark Tank style, more kind of like a community celebration. Um, that's it, sort of an opportunity for ventures to sort of showcase their progress um, and kind of articulate where their venture is at. And it's kind of like a soft launch for, for a lot of them. Um, and uh, what I would say to answer directly your question around how do we, you know, support folks through our curriculum, I think, um, you know, the first part of the curriculum is very much around business fundamentals, you know, uh, value proposition, who are your customers, lean startup, um, kind of the two methodologies we really teach are around uh, lean methodology and then the business model canvas as a tool and a framework, kind of like the, that backbone, um, a fairly accessible tool that people can erase and draw back on. Um, but the idea, to your point, is um, is in, in a lot of ways around sort of further validating idea and also mitigate, mitigating risk for entrepreneurs, because a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with don't have that much risk. Um, they, uh, they can't handle as much risk uh, given a myriad of different circumstances. And so part of our program is to mitigate that risk, take a chance, um, take chances on people and be able to uh, you know, support them in trying something out. Um, and then the se second half of the program is a little bit slightly more technical. We pull in those pro bono partners to teach sessions. Martha Kalina teaches a, a fantastic session, Dave, um, and then FML teaches a fantastic session. And then we also bring in um, a coach, um, Eric Ray from Potent Perspective to do a sort of like life coaching, resiliency and entrepreneurship workshop. Um, and so that's that's a little bit of an overview there. And the, the, last, the last point I'd make, and this is really tying in your point, Eric, around um, entrepreneurship is really hard and complex and messy. And so sort of our theory of change around our curriculum is can we really tie and combine high quality business curriculum with leadership and personal development? Um, the idea being that we think there's a strong correlation between a, an entrepreneur's emotional health, their confidence in themselves, how connected they are to their community and the success of their business. Because inevitably for a lot of, you know, for entrepreneurs, if they, even if they leave our program, their idea may not work out, but can they rebound stronger as a result of going through this experience to start another idea, to run for office, to be a higher up in a company um, and just be able to um, um, have a successful life, um, even separated from their idea and also their idea um, be a, uh, 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 more likely to succeed as a result, um, and so that that's a that's a big part of our kind of theory is is it really exactly what you're saying supporting the entrepreneur first and foremost, um, and by extension their idea as something that they are excited about and investing in. Yeah, it's uh, the early stage is not necessarily about the concept or the financials or the spreadsheets, right? Um, I mean that that is a part of it, but that's not the the whole. Uh, it's not the holistic viewpoint. Um, mm -hmm. And it is so. I don't know if you had to do this when you were at school, um, but I know. So I went to school for business management, entrepreneurship, and I wrote business plans, right? Uh, for my for my classes, they were like write the business plan of of it, and then. Once you're done, you know, the whole class was about doing the business plan. And then, you know, they're like, they never asked you to go out and talk to customers or, you know, create your hypothesis or do that. Um, you know, the business model canvas, it's, it's one of those words where if you're in the know, it's like, obviously, right? Like, did you do your canvas? Did you, did you start there? Right. And so, um, so it, it is nice where now people are getting it where it's like, it's on one sheet of paper. And then you go from there, right? You build off that one sheet of paper. You understand what you're doing. Who who are you serving? What value propositions are are you uh, really trying to get uh, kind of narrow in on? Um, so I think that that when when that first hit my desk uh, when I was going through the resetter program, I was like, oh man, this is great. This is this is great. And then like customer <laughs> discovery, I was like, I get to just go do customer discovery and just talk to people. And then after you know, like I, I remember remember when I went through the program, 
I went, I, I'll give you kind of examples that I went in there. Um, I had two business ideas, one about aquaponics and then one about obstacle course racing. So I did like Spartan races and tough mutters and so forth. And so I met my, I actually met my two co, uh, uh, co-founders, Spencer and Kieran in that. And we ended up uh, with trifecta ecosystems we have today. But then also the other idea was that I was an obstacle course gym for people to train for the, for these. Right. And from the time, I think I interviewed, you know, three or 400 people throughout the course. And by the end of it, the, the, the business that I had that people would, you know, pay for was actually a kit that they could build at home. Right. Or they could have at home, not a gym. Right. Um, funny enough, I would say about a handful of those people that I interviewed either have gyms. And one of the guys uh, actually came out with a line of at home gyms this past year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's actually, and, and uh, you know, kind of funny stories that just FYI, you never know when you're going to run into these people. I had a, I had two com- two phone calls on a customer discovery call five, five years ago, right? Five years, five or six years ago, I was down in Austin, Texas, uh, visiting some family and went into, we hiked uh, three or four miles into this uh, woods, into to, to this little like uh, watering hole that you can, you know, go uh, uh, swim or whatever. And we go and put our blankets down. There's a bunch of people there. And he's there. He's right next to me. And he's, and I've never met the guy in person. I go, hold on. Oh. I go, I go, hold on. Are you this guy? <laughs> he goes, I go, I remember Amazing. like, I'm, and so it's, Hey, you never know what it, what it's going to lead to. All right. Um, but, um, but no, so I, I, you know, I, I like the, how you focus on, on the person you focus on that. And, and uh, when you're saying you do the six week um, kind of the pre-workshop, because sometimes people aren't ready for the accelerator. It's almost like, you have to train for the training camp for the fight, right? You have to, you have to kind of get into, get into uh, working conditions so you can get in there and actually make the most of it. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, do you, first of all, do you require people to go through that or is it just more just like, if you feel like you need to kind of brush up on the concept and actually kind of flush out if you, if you have something, is that, is that kind of how it works with the, with that six week session? Yeah, so it's not a prerequisite per se, um, but we do offer it um, just kind of more open to the public. As Caroline maybe mentioned, you know, the accelerator is pretty competitive, but if you want to be a part of the pre-accelerator, you probably can. And so um, it's for anybody, you know, even maybe they don't have an idea, but they're interested in the pathway, or maybe they do, and it's very, very new. Um, maybe they just want to brush up on some soft skills, right? And so um, we wanted to use it as a mechanism to just serve more people, touch more people, like bring people into the the pathway with a little bit lower barrier, um, just to say, hey, you can do this, and here are some like very early tools for you to set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's good, Caroline. We're gonna say something. And the only thing I'd add is um, so the the idea for the pre-accelerator actually stemmed from a partnership we have with New Haven Healthy Start, um, which is an organization that's really connected to the Community Foundation and their kind of mission um, is around reducing infant mortality and help improving the health of women in the um, New Hallville and Dixwell neighborhood. So they have um, a consortium of different individuals um, and they, you know, we were partnering with them on some kind of programming and they identified, you know, hey, the accelerator there, are, um, you know, there's there's some steps to go before the accelerator. So um, like, can we dream up and and, um, and think about a program before the accelerator that could be even more accessible to even more people? So just want to give them credit for our partnership with them um, on sort of dreaming up this program. Very cool. It, uh, isn't it great how like certain conversations with people, they just mention something and you're like, oh, hold on. There is, there is this gap and oh, we can address it. Right. And then you put your heads together and voila, you have something. I mean, it doesn't oh, always happen like that, but <laughs> with a little hard work, it, it kind of gets there. Right. 
Um, so one, uh, you, you both mentioned that you're from Kentucky. So assumingly, I assume you did not know each other back in Kentucky or did you, did you come from like the same school? No, we didn't. It's funny actually, because, um, you know, we were in the same year in terms of school, um, both from Kentucky, uh, Caroline's from Lexington and I'm from Louisville, which are kind of the two big cities there. Uh, went to high school, went to the same college here at Yale, um, didn't know each other until after graduating. I kind of attribute it to the magic of New Haven um, because, you know, all Kentucky and Yale couldn't do it. They couldn't bring us together, but um, it was, it was New Haven that really did it. And so um, it's kind of a wild story. Um, and as Caroline mentioned, sort of our like similar cultural backgrounds and, you know, we get to talk about our individual experiences and how many overlaps there are. Right. And, and so um, it's definitely um, a wild and sort of lucky thing that, that we were brought together. Mm-hmm. So I guess you, you did mention it and uh, might as well kind of uh, address that a little bit is that you talked about the Yale bubble. Right. And I think that there's there's some uh, this this happens in a lot of cities that have like really prominent, um, you know, kind of institutions. I mean, obviously, Yale is top in the world. Right. You know, we uh, there's a lot of stuff happening there. Right. But sometimes it doesn't interact with the community. So, like, one, how was your relation like relationship with the community, uh, you know, when you were at Yale? And then how has that changed or how do you perceive that change? Like now that you're doing this, that, you know, you're working with the people that are from New Haven. I mean, you're, you're, you're part of the city now. Right. So. How how is how is that change and, and, and so forth? Yeah, I mean, as, as Margaret mentioned, we have different stories with this, and I, I, I think my experience being at Yale and my relationship with New Haven, I know, I know, was fairly unique for students, and I think um, mainly, you know, my story is that I, I fell in love with someone who, you know, she grew up in New Haven, and when I was a sophomore, and um, and that's like that's what did it, right? You know, I, and I think that that fundamentally is kind of one of my theories around. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, movement building and some of the most tremendous work that happens in this country to me, like is very rooted in, in deep, uh, you know, sort of intimate relationship, love, friendship, because um, that's what happened for me. And, you know, falling in love with New Haven um, is one of the most important things um, and most formative things that happened to me when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. And a lot of it stemmed from just authentic relationship and friendship and, and just, um, you know, what happens when you fall in love with something, you know, it means you have stake, it means you have mutual responsibility, mutual respect, um, and, um, and you're, you know, willing to risk something on, on behalf of something else, you're, um, and I, I think that's what happened for me, you know, just by building these kinds of friendships, um, is I, um, and then, and then it was, it became, New Haven became a place I wanted to fight for as a result, um, and, and then got lucky enough to be able to stay, um, but I, I know Margaret had a slightly different experience, um, but and, and I know that experience is fairly unique. And I think I, I would I think I, I hunger for and I think this is, again, the genesis of collab for more spaces where those kinds of opportunities can happen um, uh, for more um, students to feel a, a sense of deep sort of responsibility and connection to the city. Yeah, and I, I haven't actually talked to Caroline about this, but I'm sure there are ways in which even your experience, Caroline, like being at Yale and loving New Haven and not being at Yale loving New Haven is, is different. Um, and there are questions of like privilege there and identity there that I think probably impact your experience. I'd love to ask you about that. But um, yeah, for me, you know, I, um, to be honest, Yale has come a long way in how it relates to New Haven. It's not where it needs to be. But when I started college, it was bad, right? Like I, I was told by my sort of first year counselor, sort of like the, the equivalent of RAs, 
hey, like, don't go past certain streets. Um, like, New Haven doesn't have anything to offer. Like, just just stay here. Like, go to the dining hall. Go to class. Like, um, everything is here, between, like, behind these, like, gates, right? And so um, I was fresh from Kentucky, you know, 18 years old. I'm going to listen. Um, and so I spent four years, like, not really engaging, as I mentioned, and not really being a part of the community. And looking back, obviously, after graduating and staying here, um, and, and making friendships, exploring neighborhoods, being involved, just doing work, um, getting yelled at, being loved, all of the things, right? And um, feeling so sort of challenged and held by the city. I think looking back at my college experience, I'm like, wow, what could have been um, if I had been a thoughtful, meaningful member of the community in a, both communities, both the Yale community and the New Haven community? Um, and so I, I look back with a little bit of like what could have been um, often, for sure, for those four years, like how, you know, my experience would have been different. I would have learned more. Um, but at this point, I think that um, I because I'm a part of New Haven, I, 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 I look at Yale and I see all the incredible stuff that they do um, in our community, as well as all the things that they could do. Um, and I think I feel a, a mixture of hope and like a little bit of urgency around like, hey, like we could do a lot of cool stuff together. Um, so I think that's kind of where my relationship with Yale has landed right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so it is always interesting as a student, you have one relationship with the with the university. And then once you become an alumni and you actually become active in the ecosystem, it's like a different relationship. And you kind of view your, your time there differently. You view, you know, maybe what uh, certain decisions a little bit differently. Um, I know when I was at school, so part of one of my senior thesis uh, at um, Central was a community center called Community Central. And the, the thesis of it, I started with one of my professors, was that a lot of students and uh, professors had ideas of how they could impact New Britain and, and connect with New Britain, but they actually didn't go do it. And there wasn't a space to go actually connect with the community and do that collaboratively. And so we created it, right? And, and that turned out uh, mentoring programs and tutoring programs and art projects and this and that, right? And so it became this kind of collaborative space where if you had an idea, you can bring it to the community. And then if they saw a need for it and wanted to collaborate, it, it happened, right? And so there's, there, there's, there's, there is always, um, at any university, community engagement is, is a big thing. Um, and it means different at different universities. Um, and so, um, you know, like it, it, is, it is always uh, fascinating to see how, how it changes as you get older and you kind of uh, bring, uh, bring new projects to it. Because I assume I, you still do stuff with Sci City and, and Oni, right? Like there's still collaborative efforts between you and, and Yale. Is that, that correct, right? Or no, is there, because I thought I saw some stuff on your website about, uh, about yeah. Yeah, no, um, you know, Sci City has been really helpful in um, spreading the word about our events, sort of, sort of cross referrals. Usually once, um, in every cohort, we have probably one Yale affiliated venture, so has Yale students on their team. And typically it's a venture that has interest in building something in New Haven um, and a vested interest in it. They often are attracted to collab as a result. Um, and then we work a fair amount. We have some, sort of some tendrils and connections with the Yale School of Management like Kyle Jensen and Jennifer McFadden over there have been really helpful in informing our curriculum. And then um, also we've been working with the um, Social Impact Consulting Club on is there connective tissue between um, current Yale SOM students um, and our graduates in providing you know, support. Um, and so that's something that we've been exploring. 
Very cool. And it's, a, it's uh, I, I like to always say is that uh, when I, you know, I've tried to do stuff with my university, I still ha- uh, do stuff. And it's more just like, I, I want to help create opportunities that I wish I had when I was there, right? Or I wish that I was being, being able to be introduced to when I was there. So it's, that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur is that you're creating a world that you wish you had, or you want to have, right? So you, so you, you put in the effort to, to make it happen. So let's, I guess, talk about 2020 in the sense of, I mean, <laughs> we're in 2021. It kind of seems normal uh, that we're doing all these. I wish we could do it in person and everything's over Zoom. So I guess, like, what are the big things um, that have, have changed about your business model? And w- what are some of the things that are stayed? And where do you kind of see the, the mix of that going forward? Um, you know, now, now that we're in this uh, hybrid, uh, hybrid world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so back in March 2020, um, we quickly just um, shifted all of our programming to virtual, obviously. So everything over phone and Zoom. Um, since then, we have been really attuned to this very specific aspects of running virtual programming that impact our entrepreneurs. So some of our entrepreneurs don't have um, laptops or you know, they don't have reliable access to Internet. So one thing that we've been really thinking about um, is uh, how can we close that gap? How can we provide them? You know, we do things like childcare and interpretation and translation um, to remove barriers. Technology is a barrier, so we need to remove that as well. Um, and so laptops and hotspots in partnership with the New Haven Free Public Library, something we, we've been working on and, and are able to offer our entrepreneurs now. But I think, you know, kind of to your question about what's going to stay, that divide, right, of access to technology and, and Internet existed before COVID um, and will exist after. And so I think that will continue to be more of a focus for us. Um, I think this moment has forced us to really reckon with that. And um, moving forward, I can't see ourselves not continuing to prioritize that and think about that and advocate for um, broader changes that might help close that gap as well, because um, the internet and laptops, whether there's COVID or not, is extremely important. And just being able to send emails and being able to sit at a desk, like all of those things matter. And so um, I think that's something that will really stick. And the other thing I, I would add, and I'd be curious to have Caroline chime in as well, but, you know, it was a really hard time. It's a hard time for everybody emotionally. Obviously, businesses are suffering. It's so hard to start something right now. Um, we were talking about customer discovery earlier. Like, how are people going to talk to folks, right? Um, it's just not the same over phone. Um, and so I think we did a lot of holding space for our entrepreneurs in the past year, just kind of sitting with them, being like, we're struggling too. Um, it's been hard for us too. And yet, tell us about how it's been hard for you. And um, I think that that kind of relationship building has really picked up in the past year. And um, even if we are virtual, even though we're virtual. And so I think some part of that will also sustain, right? Um, I think we, we've we always prioritized the heart, um, as Caroline mentioned, and, and sort of the individual. But this has given us a really unique opportunity to exercise those values maximally. And then um, from here, we can really kind of see what, how, like, what is the right way to really incorporate that kind of showing up for individuals in our programming moving forward, even if we do end up um, going back to quote unquote normal. Um, So those are a couple of things that come up as it relates to the past year. I think what I'd add just onto that, I think that was really well said, Margaret, is, um, you know, and and this isn't necessarily a 
a, 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 a science here, but um, but I do think that kind of theory around the correlation between an entrepreneur's emotional well-being and their confidence um, and the success of their venture, I think they're I think we have a lot of really amazing examples of how our ventures have been successful during COVID-19 and potentially maybe not direct proof, but maybe shows that there's some legs there to that theory. Um, I think we've been so proud of how our ventures have pivoted and adapted. You know, a couple have filled empty storefronts, Vegan Ahava and Havenly Treats, Peels and Wheels composting. They increased their customer base. Um, some of our ventures have sort of pivoted to um, COVID-19 sort of revenue streams, whether it's pivoting to hand washing stations or selling masks. And it's just been very impressive to watch their resilience and ability to pivot. And um, and I'm, I'm curious, I think we're curious if that's sort of a testament to just their emotional strength and will during a very challenging, challenging year. It, uh, it is for sure been, been challenging. Um, and I don't know about you, uh, but when it comes to like in 2008, I didn't think, you know, we were all going through something. We were in school, um, you know, kind of going through stuff. Um, I know I was about to become out of school and, and knew I want to start a business. I didn't feel like I was um, in a position to kind of as an entrepreneur or as an innovator a person to, to make a change or build something that can actually kind of change. Um, now I do. I like, like, I don't know. And the reason why I'm getting to is that like for a lot of entrepreneurs, it, while it's been difficult, it's been like, I have to double down. Like, it's not like, it's almost like, I know now I definitely know that this has to be like, we, we have to make sure the collab keeps going. We have to make sure that we have these programs for these people. So, so is that, is that kind of how it's been? Like, do you, do you feel like even more kind of, um, uh, that your services are needed for, for the city or is it something where, you know, there was times where it's like, wow, this, this, this game is a little too hard. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think absolutely. I mean, it's, it's become very clear um, that this is a really critical, urgent need. It always has. I mean, before COVID-19, we, as you know, as I said, we get, um, we have, we have three worst days of our year. Um, and those three days are every day, the days that we have to send deny emails for our accelerator. Um, hence why we, we are excited about this pre-accelerator, um, because we get 40 to 60 applications from in, incredible individuals who have ideas. Um, um, and so it's always been a need. And, and then with COVID-19, it was really interesting to watch. And I think this actually tracks with um, sort of the state of Connecticut's, uh, I, I don't keep me honest here, but sort of, um, you know, uh, business starts um, data, but, you know, for our office hours, for example, we had a real dip in March and April and, you know, no, everyone was just sort of waiting with bated breath, but then very swiftly, I think by maybe maybe July, August, September, it was back up to normal, if not a little higher um, than normal pre-COVID. Um, and so I think the hunger and the need um, for um, this is very deep. Um, uh, I think entrepreneurship at the end of the day is about having choice and agency in your life. Um, and I think that that hunger for that has always been very real. Um, and I do think we feel an increased sense of urgency um, and not just, you know, to be responsive to COVID-19, but just an increased sense of urgency around the, the sort of importance of this work. And, and for us, our, our kind of horizon line is, you know, can New Haven, you know, really be a, a center of inclusive entrepreneurship and a center of inclusive growth that can have ripples and can scale across the state and potentially the region. Um, and um, that's that's something that gets us really excited, and, and we've been kind of fired up about that, especially this year. 
Very cool. Very cool. So I know we're, uh, we're going to be coming up on, uh, on time. I, I know, uh, uh, with your accelerator coming up, you have, uh, a lot of work to do. Um, so just a, a couple last questions, um, because you're outsiders, right? You came to Connecticut, you know, you, you found somebody, but by, by the way, Carolyn, um, uh, uh, find, uh, uh, finding a partner, finding a loved one and staying in Connecticut. That's usually how people end up in Connecticut. Like my wife got a job, my husband got a job. Right. So, so that's like classic story. So I get it. Um, you know, so I usually always have to say is that who got the job, right? How did you get here? Um, uh, but, um, so as, as outsiders, how, um, uh, how, like, is Connecticut a good place to start something? Like, did like how was your experience actually starting this up? Was it challenging? Did you get a lot of helping hands? Were people like kind of like blocking you left and right? Or just just give us a little idea about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that it was all of those things. It was challenging, and people were really lifting us up. And I actually think that's like the best combination, right? Because it means that we're kind of getting refined by fire every month, right? Every Regularly, we get to revisit the work that we do and how aligned with our values we are, how much we're listening to the community, um, who is in our network, who do we get our advice from, um, and how are we doing strategy and, and fundraising and all of that um, in a way that's really true to us um, and true to our community. And so I, I love being challenged. Um, I love hearing feedback. I love being told, hey, like this could change. And we've just been so grateful and lucky to have so many supporters from the very beginning. Um, people who believed in us, people who were excited about the path that we might take. Um, and that combination to me is just so, so sweet um, and so um, ideal. Um, and in that way, I would say that Connecticut is a great place and New Haven specifically, obviously, um, that's that's where I have a lot of my experiences. But um, that combination um, that comes from being close fit, that comes from being sort of a smaller city where um, you can reach a lot of people, you can talk to a lot of important people if if you sort of try, and and you can make an impact. But you're also going to be really visible um, to the community, and they're going to ask questions, and they're going to um, they're going to challenge you. Um, and I I think that's a really great place um, for folks who. Um, want to build something really great, want a lot of support, but also don't are not interested in just skating by, are interested in really digging in and engaging and um, and, and hearing the good and the bad um, and, and building something really meaningful. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that um, the only thing I'd add is I do think kind of our story and so, or like the story of collab um, is indicative of a couple sets of values I think we have, which is, you know, one is, um, you know, I believe in a Connecticut where I'm absolutely part of the way that we think about um, sort of the world we want to see here is around, you know, individuals coming who come here, who weren't born here, who can build a stake and responsibility in this place. Um, I think that's I think that's a good thing. And um, a part of the strategy or the part of the world we want to see is a deep investment in the talent that's already here, that was born here, um, that doesn't need a tax write off, that is that is dedicated to this place. And I think collab, um, you know, in in kind of our leadership. Um, and then if we think about the leadership of our team, our board, and then um, the entrepreneurs that we work with, I think sort of combines those two sort of mindsets and sets of values um, around investment in the state. 
Very, very cool. So uh, another thing uh, before I kind of have you uh, let us know how people can uh, get in touch with you and how uh, people can get uh, into your accelerator that's going to be coming up uh, here in March, is that uh, one thing over the past few years is um, that a lot of, you know, the state from the economic development kind of sense has kind of put a lot into the innovation places and trying to get cities to work together and collaborate and, and you know, try to try to market Connecticut as a whole as a startup ecosystem, which it is, but we all have our little fiefdoms, right? We have the different cities, the different uh, kind of cultures and, and, and entities or identities. So I guess, uh, how can other groups from around the state, other, uh, um, you know, kind of entrepreneurs and so forth, uh, uh, collab with collab, uh, you know, how can they connect with you? And how do you view collaboration within the ecosystems here in Connecticut? Great question. Yeah, we, um, Unsurprisingly, love collaboration. We're built on collaboration. Um, we have so many amazing um, partners here in New Haven that we work very, very closely with, um, run programs together, right, and um, help each other out so much. And so we get so much from that, and we're excited about what it means to expand that network to beyond New Haven and um, see, you know, what other other cities are doing. You know, um, Caroline and I did like a tour of Connecticut cities a couple of years ago because it's always been an interest of ours. Um, folks can reach us in a variety of different ways. They can go to our website, collab, C-O-L-L-A-B, New Haven, spelled out, dot org. Um, there's a contact sheet there, or you can just email us. Um, my email is Margaret, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T, at collabnewhaven.org, and Caroline's is the same, just her first name. And so just reach out, um, talk to us. We're super, super accessible. Um, and for entrepreneurs out there, um, the, the easiest way to just get connected to us is, is our office hours program, which, which you can find on our website, 30-minute sessions, super low-key. Just talk to us about where you're at and what you're thinking about and, and get plugged in. And the accelerator application will also be on the website if you want more information about that. Very good. Very good. Well, ladies, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, on this episode of the uh, CT Startup Podcast. Um, I would say I'd put it out there is that uh, maybe at your... Um, your uh, kickoff or your celebration of the entrepreneurs. Uh, I would love to kind of maybe come by and maybe meet some of the other entrepreneurs and get let them give, uh, give them a voice on, on the platform to, to share what they're uh, doing and, and so forth. So I would, uh, I would, I would uh, put that out to you if you uh, want to take me up on it. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Love that. Very good. So uh, everybody, you know how to get in touch with them. Uh, Caroline and Margaret, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk soon. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. 
More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.